Hello and welcome to the Filmmaker's Compass Podcast. This is Dustin joined by Christian. How's it going? I'm good, how are you? Very excited for our guest this very, week. very peppy intro, I really liked it. Oh, thank you. I've been doing this for a while, so hey. <laughs> I'm going to throw it over to you though. We have a very special guest with us and I'm very excited to get into our stories and some questions on this this new podcast. So Awesome. I'm actually really excited. This week we have a really good friend of mine, Kurt Chatham, who is a super successful producer in uh, this beautiful town we live in called Hollywood. Well, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I know it smells like piss. Hey, hey, he might be so peppy because he's at like nine Red Bulls already, right? Is that what it is? Something like that. Super peppy, so, right? Super peppy. Super peppy. Don't touch the table. Right? <laughs> Podcast 101. Don't touch the table. Touch the table. So, Kurt, anyway, thanks for coming yes. out, man. Yeah, no really problem. appreciate Fun. it. You have tons of insight from your experience as a producer. Uh, yes. I always think it's kind of funny because you obviously moved cross country. Quite literally from one coast to the other. Yes. 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 I did, yeah. Nice. I moved uh, after, I grew up in Atlanta. I went to college down in Savannah. Two months after that, hell, less than two months after that, I was on the road. <laughs> I 20. Straight out, went up through Memphis, hit I-40, came across. Because I didn't want to be in Texas for two days, so I just went across the panhandle <laughs> and came down. Yeah. And it took me about two and a half days to drive out, packed up everything in the SUV, and came on out. What inspired the move? Well, I'd always been interested in films. I mean, films are great. Eh, TV, not so much, which is interesting, because now my latest project is in TV. But, <laughs> you know, it's films are, films are fun to watch. Of course. Yeah. Always, you know, and to talk about and just like to quote. I mean, sh- you can throw out this quote. Now I know what a TV dinner feels like. What's that from? Die Hard. Yeah. See? Yeah. Like, yeah. Quit playing with your dinghy. Best movies ever made. <laughs> right? I mean, like everybody knows the quotes. You can quote things and everybody yeah. does, and they're just fun. And so I actually had a friend who I met in Atlanta who lived out here in LA uh, with his wife, and he said, Hey, come out for the summer and try it out. And I was like, Okay. And 16 years later, there it is. I'm still trying it out. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and it's funny because that my friend, he and I are actually producing a play for him later this year. Still friends. Yeah, still that's to him. 16 yeah. years later. He texts me stupid little jokes all the time. And, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a little bit older than I am, but he's married and he's got a, he's got a son. But, you know, he's a happy-go-lucky guy and he texts me stupid quotes all the time or stupid stuff i'm like you're such an idiot dude you're so funny. <laughs> right but yeah i'm producing a play and we're gonna we're gonna turn the play into a movie we're gonna shoot the movie at the same time we're doing the play so nice. oh, it cool. lends itself to being to do that and we've always you know we've actually it's kind of interesting we've never we've worked together on some small stuff but never on a movie and he finally just said hey man you want to do this and i was like hell yeah let's do it yeah nice so very cool dude i'm mm-hmm. excited what was the obviously you've done a lot of stuff a lot of short films you've pitched for your projects yeah. you you know you did the, the pilot for the variety show yeah um, oh yeah yeah you did a feature let's yeah. talk a little bit about the feature that you did okay yeah other halves on amazon by the way amazon prime other oh, halves. so check it out on prime yeah right <laughs> and i think it's pretty cool because you pretty much bootstrap thing that whole oh thing yeah we itself. did that whole thing i think that we did a feature film and technically a feature film is 90 minutes well has to be like 87 minutes or whatever but 90 minutes 
and um, we did the whole thing for right around forty thousand dollars on location in San Francisco. It's crazy, phenomenal. Yeah, just a a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, was you know we actually had tried bigger budget, bigger, more ambitious projects than than other haves before. We just weren't getting any bites on investors or anything, so we just kind of went back to the drawing board and we were like, I, I just said to him, I was like. So we have to have to think smaller. As a producer, you're always having to like think of like what are your liabilities, sure, and how can you yeah. manage those liabilities. Yeah. And the, our liability was we just we weren't known at the time, and so no one was going to give us money. So we were like, well, we had to do this on a shoestring budget, quite literally a shoestring budget for a film. I mean, forty thousand dollars is a lot of money, but when it comes to films, that's right. like you could spend that in like yeah. ten minutes, yeah. you know, if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably spend in a minute or less. <clears throat> so we went back to the drawing board and we were like, what's our basic story? And Other Halves is a psychological thriller. And so we went on like, okay, it's going to be a horror film. What's your basic things that you need in a horror film? You need a, good, a lot of young, good looking people. Yeah. If you're going to go, <laughs> yeah. if it's not going to be a ghost story or anything like that, you need good look, young, good looking people, yeah. right? And you need, you need hot girls who are willing to be naked. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you have to show blood. Seen enough horror films to know both. Those are true. That's yeah. just what it is, yeah. right? So we were thinking, okay, did we take this group of kids out into the woods? Okay, yeah, that could be cheap. But then we were like, well, no, it's not really because then you're talking about like everything at night, blah, 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 blah. You know? And then we were like, well, where, what do we do with them? And so my friend, he has, at the time, he had friends uh, living in San Francisco who owned a business that had the top three floors of a building in downtown San Francisco. Nice. Oh, wow. That was great. And, That's really lucky. And, yeah. Well, and their business model was, it was a school, uh, okay. a specialized trade school. They were on for six weeks, took a week off, on for six weeks, took a week off, right? And so my buddy was up there one summer, I think it was a summer, of 20, yeah, summer 2014. He was up there shooting like a little like corporate video and, you know, messing around with them because my friend went to USC film school and he oh. met the three owners at school, oh. none of them, I don't think any of them were in film school, but they were just like, they were roommates. They were all roommates at one time. They were all in each other's weddings. So they were just great friends, right? So what I heard is USC film school pays for itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> and then uh, he was just like, he was there and he was just like looking around and he asked his buddies like, hey, can I come up here with some friends and shoot a film? And they were like, yeah, sure. For us, it was like, well, okay, we're going to take that one, obviously one of the weeks that they are off so we can basically own the property nice. yeah. and and they were they said okay and they just said well you know just like let us know and um so we chose a week that was several months out and said okay let's do it then and so then my friend he wrote this script he adapted this is the you know what one of the things you have to do is you have to again going back to managing your liabilities okay well we now we have the location instead of trying to find mm-hmm. like writing a script and finding a location that fits the script we it's adapted our script yeah to adapt a location sure. that we could get for free. See, that seems like a really right? smart tip for aspiring filmmakers. Yeah. Just work with so what you yeah, have. Yeah, you got like, to find yeah. a way to take what you have and make it work Exactly. For what do you have for free or what can you get for stupid cheap and adapt your story to that, Yeah. right? It doesn't need to be Bruce Wayne in his Big Mac mansion, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. It can be a guy in his apartment. Yeah. And you can still make a compelling film for that. And so he adapted the screenplay to fit the physical environment that we had yeah. for free, right? And so... In one scene, a character comes out of the kitchen, he turns left, and he sees a door. Well, for us, I, as you know, the, the, the uh, producer, and I was also the line producer, and I was also the first AD, so I was doing the schedule <laughs> and everything. Yeah, a couple of, 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 of lucky, Right? I was doing a lot. And then so it was one of those things where it's like, 
It was great for me because it was like, okay, well, in the script it says the actor comes out of the kitchen, turns left, and sees a door. Well, guess what? That's what the physical location was. The actor came out of the, out of the kitchen and turned left and saw a door. So lucky. Right? It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So we adapted our <laughs> screenplay. Well, I mean, we literally just had, like, the kernels of a story. Okay. And then it was like, well, what, you know, like, okay, well, we had this location. What do they do with this location? The location was a computer coding school. Okay, so these are a bunch of computer coding students or computer young computer coders, okay. right? Which works in San Francisco, right? Yeah, like, sure. That makes sense, yeah. right? There's a lot of people that work in computer coding out there, right? Yep. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of, you know, and then something, they're developing this new app and something goes haywire and they all start killing each other. Not only killing, but they all have sex with each other. It's great, you know? Well, that's <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? That's kind of the point. Well, yeah. I mean, you gotta right? get people naked. That's right, you have to, you know, one on one. yeah. Anyway, you know, it's like great. And then we were able to find a young cast that was willing to, work as locals it is interesting like we said well we need to cast everybody local in, L- in san francisco because we can't pay for travel. we can't pay for travel Logic. we can't pay yeah. for per diem we can't pay, pay anything yeah it, as it turns out in our entire cast it was from la but they all said that they were you know working in san francisco as locals oh wow had, yeah a lot of them had like ties to san francisco or whatever so like some of them had family or they had friends so they all just stayed up there wow. and they're just like okay cool that's and we and they were all like it's cool yeah. you know and then of course like with the ladies who had to get naked on camera, like we told them in the casting session, like or when we put out the casting, like requires nudity. Everybody who came in, you is, know, is that an awkward conversation? I mean, if, uh, if you're upfront about it, I if assume... you're upfront, it's not. Okay, you know, it's just it's one of those things where if you're up, like you have to put it in the casting notice that this role requires nudity, sure. and if they're uncomfortable with that, then you don't move forward. That yeah, that, like obviously they won't come in if they're uncomfortable. Now if they come in. And we, you want that particular actor or actress for the role, they say, I won't do nudity. Then you either have to have a conversation with them and say, did you read the casting notice? Because if yeah, you didn't, yeah. then I'm not sure if I really want you for this role anyway. Right. Yeah, hey. And if you did, why did you come in if you're not comfortable with nudity? Right? And then you have to have, just have to have a frank conversation. But I assume so, then that that does happen. Oh, it happens. All, yeah. Yeah. Where people are yeah. like, oh, maybe I and can just change like, their mind. Yeah. Or, hey. We had two different ladies get naked on, on camera. Yeah. Multiple times. And the big one was, if you go watch the movie, you'll see it. It's, you know, it's a head-to-toe shower scene. Yeah. And I, I mean, will not, go check that out. Well, I mean, they're not, <laughs> it's not like, they're not having sex or anything. It's like, you know, they're at their, they're, you're at the, the gym, you okay. know, and, and they're, you know, they're taking a shower at the gym. Yeah. And, you know, they're just sitting there talking. And it's like, that's one of those things where it's like, in that, for us, looking towards selling the picture because you always have to look at that because you have to remember a movie is very subjective and just because you make a movie and you love the movie doesn't mean people are going to go watch it right and it also doesn't mean people are going to pay to watch it good point which let's face it at the end of the day that's what filmmaking is all about exactly in a sense if you don't want to make movies go make a documentary i mean i'm sorry if you don't want to make money go make a documentary (laughs) there you go you know what i mean if you don't if you if you want to make a movie a commercial movie for people to watch then you have to think about selling and so for us, that was one of those things where that scene, everything they talk about was very pivotal to the story. We could have had that scene in an office, like in sure. the girl's office, yeah. in her sitting in her chair, the other one sitting across from the desk in, in another chair, and they have this, but that's very boring. Yeah. And in a horror film, again, you have to have nudity. No. Uh, and so the girls were very, they, were, they understood why we were doing it, and they were okay with it. So awesome. I think, let's take a step back here. Sure. Obviously, as a producer... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of roles and responsibilities that fall into your lap. And I think there's probably a lot of our listeners, because I even know a lot of people in the industry that really don't know exactly kind of uh, what a producer does and where the wh- sort of where the, the, the box that you work <laughs> within is. Can you kind of give your opinion for 
filmmakers out there. What do they need to know when working with a producer? What is a producer's role and kind of um, how can you best use your producer to their full potential? Right. Well, let's just stick with movies because the role of a producer yeah, and television yeah, obviously is a little it's, bit different it's than different. Movies, right? So in movies, in the more traditional in in the more traditional sense, especially like in, in, in independent films, the producer is not only the lead creative person on the film, they are also the lead business person. Um, I mean, and they're to quote a movie, they're the HNIC. <laughs> right? Yes. Let's see, we're talking about quoting movies. I mean they are. They're they're the person who finds the script in independent world, they will option the script and then they'll wind up having to just buy the script. Now they mean that what does that mean? That means they own that product. That's theirs. Then they're gonna go out and hire everyone else to do the job. So they're gonna hire they have a creative vision for this movie. They're gonna hire if they want punch up so they can either work with the writer who they're acquiring the property from, or they just hire another writer to come in and like, here's my notes, incorporate my notes. Yeah. Is is that pretty common where mm-hmm. you may purchase a script and then you're mm-hmm. like, hey, bring happens, in someone happens else. All and time. Happens all the time. Rewrite the every whole day. thing. Every day. Happens every day. Okay. Yeah. Happens all the time. Um, and then the producer will bring on uh, bring on a director, bring on working with the director, bring on cinematographer, production manager, or, uh, production designer, and then casting and everything downstream of that. So a producer is uh, like the person in charge. They own the product. Now they'll go and find investors in an independent world. They'll go and find an investor. And if they find someone outside of a studio, you know, or even like the independent arm of a studio, yeah, um, a lot of times that. It just kind of depends on who the investor is, right? If the investor's never invested in movies before, most of the time it's like the, the producer will have full creative control. Sure, yeah. You know? If the investor has invested in movies before or whatever, sometimes they'll say, oh, I want to see this or this or blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, and then the you know they'll have to work with what the money says. Because if the money says do something, you kind of have to do what the money now, says. Now, I, I think a lot of, especially younger filmmakers, <clears throat> get into a lot of, how do I want to say, creative conflict. Mm-hmm. with their producers all the time and, and it seems like and not even young people older folks right because I mean, the problem is people who come yeah. at a project from an artistic perspective right want it, it's their baby they want it right. to be solely theirs and your job is to step in and say hey like i'm here to bring you money up front and right. make sure we have a product that we can bring <coughs> off of at the end so you're doing right. yeah a director producer, a huge yeah. service <laughs> yeah the producer always has to have an eye for selling the product because yes. again, like I said, it's a commercial venture. You're you're creating a right. product that someone wants that you want someone to pay you to watch, mm-hmm. right? So the producer always, from the get go, always has to have an eye for how can I how can I sell this? And if they go to investors, the investors are going to want to know how you're going to make my money back. Exactly. Right. And so the biggest thing is you have to manage your liabilities, right? And so you have to work with a the producer has to work with the director work with the cinematographer, work with the actors, work with everybody to have them work as creative, you know, let them be as free creatively as they can, but then stay within the boundaries of the budget exactly. that they ha- that they are given. And if you don't have the money to do it, find it either, you have a couple options, find a different way to do it that's more creative and cheap or cut the scene. Yeah, I could imagine like, you know, let's assume somebody's doing a, you know, a space flick <laughs> and they're like, you know, the only way we can film this, like we have to go to the internet station you're right like, no yeah. no, no, <laughs> no we're gonna not gonna happen you have a billion <laughs> we're gonna dollars? have to figure out another right. way you have or a billion cut. dollars yeah no you, you don't have a billion dollars so you do it in front of a green screen yeah you know right. so you find an alternative right 
Oh, it doesn't look like they're floating. It doesn't look like there's no gravity. Okay, well, then you get a wire system. Oh, do you have money for that? No? Okay, then move it from the International Space Station to on Earth, and you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. You know, find a different location for the same story, and it'll be much more creative and much more interesting. So is there some advice that you can give to all the directors out there that have the perfect project in mind that they want to work with, and right now they're looking for a producer to bring on board to bring this to life? Yes. What are some things they need to know about how to maximize that relationship and keep it from being so contentious? Well, you got the first thing you have to realize, you have to remember as a director and as a writer, I would even say, or as a writer-director, yeah. is filmmaking is collaborative, <laughs> right? That's a good point, and everyone seems to forget that. Even if you're making a documentary, it's still a collaboration because you have a cameraman. If, you, if you're the on-screen host, you have a cameraman following you, right? Right. Yeah. Unless you are the one and only person, you're doing the audio and the video and you're editing it and you're doing the music. And then you end up with the room. And then you end up, right. <laughs> and then you end up, if, if that's, if you're the only person doing everything and you're acting or you're, you know, like you're going out there doing a visual project, great. Okay. Do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but if you're writing a screenplay to tell a story and it has actors and it has locations and it has cars and houses, whatever. Learn to, that it's a collaborative thing, and you will have to make compromises. It's that simple. Because it never goes away. It never goes away. And you want to make a movie. It's supposed to be fun. Yes, it's stressful. But at the end of the day, you're not sitting in a cubicle from 9 to 5. Yeah. So, consequently, right. as, as a producer, mm -hmm. what are some of the tips that you employ to keep your... Because obviously, right, there's going to be conflict about right. creative issues. Right. You get creative people together, there's always conflict. Right. How do you kind of smooth out the road a little bit? And what are some of the tips for just kind of, I guess, talking directors and writers off the edge? Well, I mean, off the edge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let him go off the edge. I'll do it myself. <laughs> give, him, right. give him the nudge. Right? Uh, well, okay, if you're working with a first-time director, then you always try and find a strong cinematographer, a strong first AD, and a strong script supervisor. Because those three people working in tandem can help the director. And right? make sure that the movie gets actually made. Right. Cool. If you have an experienced director, then... You can have a new cinematographer or a new first AD. So that's just the way it is. But is somebody's got to bring the experience. Somebody's got to bring yeah. the experience. But working with a first-time director, you always have to realize as a producer that their eyes are bigger than their stomach, right? Mm -hmm. They're kind of in awe. Oh my God, I'm a director now. <laughs> right? Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. Maybe I can. Yeah. Then they always get crazy. Like, come on, you yeah, can yeah. do this, right? Yeah. But it's also Wait, one of those I'm, things. In, I'm in over my head. Right. And if they're if they're on the edge, it's like, well, you know what? Let's let's get this person. And usually, it's like if they're worried about the the setup of a scene or blah blah anything. If they're worried about anything, you can always find your one of your department heads. Your, either your cinematographer or your if it you know like if it's not a camera issue, it's like, oh, that just doesn't look like I can't I can't take this. Okay, well, let me call the production designer in or the art director, whomever. Let me call the set dressers in. Let me call someone in from the art department and get them over here, and we'll fix the problem. Or if they're like, oh, there's a wardrobe. I'm like, okay, let me call the wardrobe department over there. Let's let's work yeah. together and get through the issue. Because if anybody starts flying off the handles, then you're just, then you're just then you are literally wasting money because you have crew locations and equipment sitting sure. there that you've rented that you're yeah. paying for, and it's like, what are you doing? You're over here throwing a temper tantrum because this one little thing is red instead of blue, and oh my god, I can take five minutes to fix it, or you're going to sit over there for an hour and bitch and moan and complain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which. I'm assuming happens a lot. People don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it happens all the time. 
That happens all the time. Yeah. It's not not only directors, actors throw temper tantrums too. In some instances, like I'm, I'm like when it comes to actors, I'm like, man, you're a fucking actor. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. You know, like you look good. You got nice clothes on. Fucking act. Yeah. Right. Like shut up. But then it's also like, well, you know, I chose this person for a reason, so it's like I want them to like feel comfortable. Blah blah blah. Well, you know, getting back to directors, it's as a producer, you have to also know where your leverage lies. Okay. You know. Yes. And, and you have to know what's best for the film, not only from a visual creative standpoint, but also from a budget standpoint, because you don't want to go over budget. Well, yeah. today, uh, because then you won't be able to afford tomorrow. And, right. And budgeting know? is a huge part of, of what you do. Massive part. How do you do it? I mean, <laughs> I feel like sometimes people, you know, they're like, I have to fund a film. I'm just going to make up a number and work backwards. You want like, the short answer? Yeah, give it to me. Copy and paste from another budget. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, it it is. Just, I mean, is a lot of it just based off of experience? You're yes. like, cool. I know a lot of us. I can get yeah. horses for this much. I know I can do yeah. a, a lot of it. Is shot for this. years of experience, just knowing what what rates you can get. It you know you can provide people. Have you ever um, had to get horses? Uh, yeah, I have. How did that? Like, do you have a horse guy? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, there there are. Yeah, there there are people out there that they have animals. Horses are obviously a little bit more involved than, let's say, a dog yeah, um, sure. or a bird. I did this one film, this short film, and it required a bird. And so I researched, and there's a bunch of different firms out there, and they're they're basically agents for animals. And they just you know? offer you like training and, birds for well, they like, a they day rate or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and well, it was one of those things where you know you just have to call them up and say, I need the bird to do this, 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 and this. And they say, okay, well, we'll get back to you. And they call you back with an estimate. And then they tell you, or they email you your estimate, and they tell you why they, it's going to cost that amount of money, and blah, blah, blah. So I was doing this one short film one time, <laughs> and it required a bird. And the budget for the film was $15,000. And the directors really wanted a bird. Okay. Because the movie was about two little people chasing, two little kids chasing a bird. I feel like I've seen this movie, Tony. Yeah, I think you have seen this movie. <laughs> I think you've seen this movie. Yeah, I've seen it. And the bird, I got estimates for the bird, and the bird was going to cost ten ten thousand dollars. No way. Yeah. Well, okay. So, but ten, I'm assuming that the directors were dead set on going with that bird, right? Well, they, I mean, they wanted a bird, and I went up to him, and, and you know, here's and so this is where when I was talking about like leverage comes into play, I walked up to him and said, "It's going to cost you ten thousand dollars for a bird. So, do you want the bird, or do you want a movie. everything else?" <laughs> and they were like, "Um, can we do it in post?" And I was like, let me make some phone calls. Sure enough, we put the bird in post. Nice. I hate saying, fuck it, we'll do it in post. But in that instance, it cost me $1,000 for the bird in post as opposed yeah. to $10,000. I would love to do everything you, practical. But you, yeah, at the end sometimes. Because practical be, looks better. Yeah. Right? Sure. But at the end of the day, but you yeah. got to pay for it. But yeah. So it's, yeah, you just got to do your research. When it comes to budgeting, a lot of the stuff is just like, you know, you know, I've worked with these guys before and this is what his rate is. This is what he cut me on that deal. Blah, blah, blah. And then, so for instance, I'm, I'm currently working on a budget for uh, this writer, director, or writer, he doesn't want to direct it, but he, he wrote it, and he wants to he wants to produce it. He asked me to produce it with him, and he asked me to do a budget. It takes place in Haiti. Yes. There's an opening, opening scene in Haiti, a flashback, and then cut to Los Angeles. There's a scene in Los Angeles, and then everything is back in Haiti, right? Okay. So how do you budget for that? Well, you have to break down, for, I mean, the, the first thing you do is break down the script for characters, locations, prop sets, wardrobe, things like that. Do you need cars? What are, what are all the things that are in the script 
that you're going to see on screen that you have to budget for, yeah. right? Yeah. So actors, you know, the characters, the actors, the, the location, the different locations, are there going to be cars? You have to put the cars in there, blah, blah, blah. Then you have to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to get everybody there? So if you're in Los Angeles, then everybody is like just there. work from home and they show up on set, right? Yeah. But we're going to go to Haiti, right? So then I have to factor in plane tickets for everyone, hotel for everyone, per diem for everyone. And when you get to per diem, you get even screw down into further into it's one rate for the days that they're working and a different rate for their days off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and then and then so how do I do that? Well then I go and research, well, how much would it cost me to fly from Los Angeles to Haiti? Well, there's there's a cost of a plane ticket right there. Round trip ticket times everyone who's going. Pretty right? expensive. How much is a hotel? Well, how long do you need people there? Well, then you have to look at your budget. I mean, uh, you have to look at your script, estimate as a producer how many, how many days, days gonna you take. think it's going to take you yeah. to film it, right? And so we estimated 25 days on this oh of God. filming, right? Yeah. Which breaks down into five weeks shooting five days a week. Yeah. But then you also have to remember, well, they're not only going to be there for 25 days. They're also going to be there for those weekends. So you have to add in that, right? So then you go and look at how much would a hotel room cost you, you know, and then you just hotel room per person. You add all that in, right? And yeah. you add in the per diem. Sounds expensive. But then you gotta then you gotta worry about okay, how much money can I put, you know, towards locations, permitting for locations, where am I gonna get my camera, where am I gonna get my, my lighting equipment, all that stuff, where am I gonna get my catering from? Where are these people gonna go to the bathroom on set? Yeah. And I assume yeah. that's one of the challenges, especially when it's you're huge. traveling to film. Oh, when you're, yeah, when are you're you taking local crews? Are you yeah. bringing a crew with you? Yeah. Like, that was what, and and the thing is, like going to Haiti, there's there's a small film school there, but it's not huge. Yeah. So most of your main characters, the actors are going to come from L.A., New York, or you know Atlanta, you know somewhere. They're not going to come from Haiti, but some of your downstream supporting characters might come from Haiti. Sure. Your crew, your department heads, and your key people in each department probably going to come from Los Angeles or Atlanta. Which means you gotta you gotta fly them there. You gotta house them. But some of your downstream, like the assistants, you know, the production assistants, Higher the there. wardrobe assistants, the location the wow. man. I mean, how do you even when you're in Haiti? How do you even find people like that? Like, do they even have like Craigslist? You have to have a local. You have okay. to have a local. So you either you're gonna hire like a uh, like we'll we'll hire a line producer to come with us, but then we'll hire a local production manager gotcha. who has. Okay. That makes sense. Who the has, ties to the who local has the community. ties to the community right. and then okay. we can get the stuff. It sounds like one of the things you really have to be comfortable with as a producer is being the bad guy. Oh yeah. And saying no. You have to you have and to cutting you, people loose. You cannot feel bad about saying no. Do you just have to be comfortable in that role when you say, I want to be a producer, so I realize that sometimes I gotta be a hard ass? Mm-hmm. Or is it kind of something that you grow into? What's kind of been your experience? It's a little bit of both. For me, it's always been easy to say, no, you can't afford that. Yeah. But then I've had, I know other producers who like, they have a very hard time saying no and they, they don't like confrontation. It's like, well, you can't look at it as a confrontation. It's, you have to look at it as you're presenting the realities of the situation. So let's take a famous example. So in the movie Jaws, right? Yes. Right. Everybody knows that Steven Spielberg wanted to see more of the shark, right? Yes. yes. But they were having such mechanical issues with the shark if they did delayed production to fix the shark, it would have yeah. cost them a lot of money. But then the producer's like, you just can't have the shark. You got to work around it. It's not working. You got to work around it. It made a better film. It worked out really well. It scares well. the shit out of people when you don't right. see the yeah. shark, right? Yeah. And that, that that's, so that's what a producer has to do. You just have to say, no, it's not working out. We can't do that. So yeah, it's for me, it's always been easy to say no. I'm not saying I love to say no, but it's very easy for me to like, no, you can't afford that. I'm sorry. But to find a different way. But see, that's also the fun about being a producer is somebody comes up to you and they're used to doing it one way. And, they're, and then you're like, well, we can't afford that. No, you can't do that. 
So then you get to work with them and be creative, which is what everybody wants to do. Because again, you're I making a film. You're something. supposed to have fun. So well, then I, you get to be creative with someone. I feel like too, that's where those you know great behind the scenes yes. stories come from. Right. Is those moments where right. you know they're like, hey, I always remember watching behind the scenes for I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. and. This guy, I was a, I don't know if he was the, you know, executive producer, but he's like, Steven Spielberg said we needed more real snakes. And he's like, so I just started calling snake wranglers right. all around the world and we right. flew in 7,000 snakes. Yeah. snakes or something. Well, it's easy to do that when you got a lot of money. Right. But, but yeah. It was but just yeah, one of those weird thing. scenarios yeah. where it was like, whatever they were doing wasn't working. Cool. And you end up with that like great you, story, you yeah. told me a great example of you doing this when you you had your shoot in the desert and you needed a, to get a car up on a trailer. Oh, right. Yeah, so this one I recently did. Yeah, up and we were in, uh, outside of Las Vegas. The story was about a father and son going cross-country road trip in their family big rig and they had a classic car in the back of the truck. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, the ramp that was chosen to get to, to be shown on camera, as in it's part of the story, to get the car on and off the trailer was this huge 7,000-pound ramp that needed two forklifts to be moved, right? <laughs> Not very practical. And our director saw it, and he's like, yeah, that looks great. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, no, that looks like shit. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because it's 7,000 pounds, and it takes two forklifts to move. What makes you think that these two guys that are traveling cross-country have this A on their trailer, and B can move it by hand? Well, and C, it was going to be expensive to shoot And it was going to be day. like $1,200 just to get them to deliver it and like I think at the end of the day it's probably going to cost us somewhere around two grand. So I'm there with you know I was the line producer, I was their production manager, whatever you want to call it, and uh, I was sitting there with my production coordinator. And I was like, we need to find just some basic car ramps, and we were filming at a truck stop, and so we just started walking around and asking people if they had ramps. And sure enough, we found a guy that had a couple of ramps, uh, you know, just like those movable ramps, you know, yeah. that you see to go up on yeah. the back of a back of a truck or whatever. And we're like, can we rent those from you for a hundred bucks? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Right, oh, there you go. We, <laughs> set, we we set up the camera. The car was in front, you know, on the on the ground behind the big rig. The doors were open, and we put the ramps there. We're like, look, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what you asked for? And they were all like, oh my god, this is great, and this mm-hmm. is it. So yeah, we saved almost two thousand. <laughs> we saved almost two thousand dollars, and not only that, they would not only we did almost save almost two thousand dollars, but it was also one of those things where we actually got the look that the that the director actually wanted. Yeah, yeah. In a practical sense, like, because those ramps weren't actually made for the trailer of the big rig, they were made for a different trailer, a low boy trailer, or a lower, lower trailer, we couldn't use, we couldn't show the car on those ramps. Okay. But we had to show the car on the big rig, on the back in the trailer. So what do we do? We call a tow truck driver with a flatbed tow truck, and we put the car on the, t- on the flatbed, and then we back the flatbed up to the yeah. back of the trailer, drove the car into the trailer, moved the truck, Moved the uh, the wrecker, did the scene, pulled the pulled the tow truck back up, put the car on the tow truck, and put it back on the ground. Nice. That cost us about two hundred and thirty dollars. So all told, that whole thing so cost me five hundred bucks. Or less something. than that, three hundred fifty bucks. Nice. You know. And it probably and took you less time because it took to us less time. Forklifts. We didn't have to worry. We didn't have to worry about forklifts moving anything around, and it looked better. I assume even you start getting into the the nitty gritty, and you need forklifts. <laughs> you're going to need somebody who's certified to yeah. drive a forklift. Yeah. You're yeah. going to, you know, yeah. you can't be you. Unless you have it. out to the desert. You got to have. Yeah. You got to have someone who can drive it. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and not only that though, it was the, the, this movie was in a big rig. Yeah. Well, the actor doesn't have a commercial driver's license, so we had to hire a big rig driver. We had to hire a guy yeah. that had a commercial driver's license. Yeah. I had to pay him through the nose. But he probably uh, loved it. So, oh, he had a great time. <laughs> Obviously, 
Another me. important task that you have to do mm-hmm. is go to investors mm-hmm. occasionally and ask for more money. I feel like most people have enough problems asking their family and their friends to help them. Right. How do you go to an investor and say, hey, this is the situation we need a little bit more? You just have to have all your ducks in a row. You have to know why you need the more more money. And if it's, well, because we, you know, we wanted T-bone steaks every day for lunch, the investor's going to go tell you to pound Sam. You wasted my money. No, you can't have any more. Right. But... If you, like we did on other hams, we actually wound up having to go back and get a little bit more money. Not much. A little bit more cash uh, from one of our investors. And he was a very nice man. He was like, he's like, I, could, he's like, I knew this was coming. He said it straight up. He's like, because he actually has produced films himself. And he said, I saw it coming. He's like, I was just waiting on the day. I was like, well, you know, we, we tried. It's today. Yeah, it's today. And we wound up, we only asked him for like a couple thousand dollars more. It wasn't, like I said, we did the whole movie for around $40,000 anyway. Yeah. His initial investment was right at 10000 and we asked him for a little bit more and, and he said sure. But it was one of those things where was, we showed him our cost report up to that point, what we had spent the money on, and everything was super lean. And then we showed him the footage and it was one of those things where he, and then we showed him what we needed, the, told him what we needed the money for. And, and why we needed it. It was one of those things where we hadn't really anticipated the need. Gotcha. And that just comes from, a, honestly, lack it comes from a lack of experience. We hadn't anticipated, but it was also one of those things where on other halves, uh, because we were on a shooting budget, we had we were using a, a Blackmagic camera. Nice. And we had four Blackmagic cameras. And they were all, one of them belonged to our director. One of them belonged to our cinematographer. Another one belonged to, I think the other two belonged to the camera team. Okay. Right? And so at one point we had we had to kind of like make it as a play, like all the actors are there. It's just and rolling four cameras, and four cameras. yeah, just four set cameras. it up and run. And we weren't did like we didn't do like a master shot and then punch in for each of them because there were six actors and we're like this is a big scene and we don't have, we don't have all day to do this so we got to do it. So we told them as soon as you as soon as you we say act you're on camera. And so we had four cameras going and wow. so we had to like match the color from all four cameras. It's hard to do oh, that on set. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's like things like that that we had to work. And most of the time when you're asking for money, it's in post. When you're asking for more money on an independent film, it's in post-production. A lot of that comes from people forgetting that production is only one aspect of it. You have to pay for post, right? You have to pay for post-production. And then everybody forgets that the editor is not the only entity in post-production. That I, that seems like a common theme. That's a that's a with experienced filmmakers. You, yeah, you have to remember music. You have to remember sound, which are not the same thing either. Not the same thing. You have to remember color correction. Yeah, you have to remember visual effects. All these different things that, right. you, that people are like. Oh, we're just no, just hand it to the editor, and a month later, and the editor's like, magic. I, I magic don't have to do that. <laughs> right? Exactly. And so for us, I think, if I remember correctly, I mean, this was four years ago. If I remember correctly, this was a a coloring issue. And we wanted a little bit better music than what we had gotten. Mm -hmm. But our executive, our investor was, you know, he was very nice and said, sure. But yeah, you do have to go back and ask for money. And it's just like, you have to know what you've already spent your money on. And why why did you not anticipate this extra expense? What is it that you did not anticipate? If you're talking to investors, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to make a case. For for how you spent your money and yeah. how you're going to spend the rest. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't like writing blank checks. I don't they think they hate does. writing blank <laughs> checks. And they're not politicians, so it's you know it's like one of those things where they're like, how are you going to make my money back? And yeah. what I'm hearing too is it's not so much about the artistic vision, right? That's a that's a piece of the puzzle when you're pitching, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's more about accountability. And being able to show them yeah. that this is... Well, I, it's interesting you, you bring that up because I've pitched to people who are all about the money. They don't, they don't care about the script. They don't care about anything else. They're like, okay, 
give me the basic idea. How are you going to make my money back? Right? Gotcha. And so do you do you make a case you say, well, this film is like... You have to compare it to... And all these films make X amount of money. We think we can do the same thing. Yeah, you have to compare it to other films. So you do like the old old mashup. You're like, this is The Office meets Apocalypse Now. In a sense, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, right? I'd love to see that. (laughs) But yeah, you do. You have to to do it in such a way that it's like, this movie is compared to this, this, and this. Okay. Right? And then this movie, and this movie, and this movie, you have to you have to do your research when you're doing it. Like, how much did they spend on those movies, right? Right. And then you have to go and look how much did those movies make. At least how much did they make. Well, and so you have to take into consideration when the movie was made, right? Well, there's that too. Yeah, you also have to put. I mean, you're not going to go in, like if you're trying to make a horror movie today, you're not going to go and look at movies from 1980s. You're not going to go and look at like old. Can't like, go compare it to the original Halloween. No, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't. I mean, you can't even compare it to. Um, the found Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch. Blair Witch. You can't even compare it to that. Blair Witch is, you know, like 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. You have to compare it to movies made within the last five to ten years if you're making horror. Okay. I mean, that makes sense because, yeah. I mean, costs are just going to change as Costs are going to change, advanced, but it's advanced. also taste change, especially in horror films. It's like horror films are very point, cyclical. Yeah. Like, now it's like ghosts and supernatural, but then tomorrow it could be Saw. Right. Which is gore porn. And then it could go to, like, a scream type stuff. You know, it could yeah. be, like... There's different, so many different subgenres in horror right. that you cannot compare. You have to, to know years kind of what the audience is. What watching. the audience is looking for now, and compare it to movies that have recently been made. See what they, how much they spent, how much they made, what's the return on investment, and then tell your investor like, okay, this is what they did, and we're gonna not necessarily go exactly the way yeah, they did it. We're not gonna mirror it, but it's a, yeah, it's a guy. Yes, it's a guy. So, I guess my next question is this. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for people who want to become producers? Mm-hmm. How do you get into it? Any any advice on if, if I'm living in Oklahoma City right now and my right. goal is to be a producer in Los Angeles? How how would I even get started? Have a rich uncle. <laughs> okay, no, uh, okay. Other than, okay. than knowing somebody yeah. rich, which <laughs> is the okay. easy way to do it. You ha- like as a producer, like you know, some people I didn't go to film school, so for me, I had to do all the different jobs on set. I was a PA. You know, as a second AD, as a first AD, I worked as a location manager. You know, I worked in the grip and electric department. I worked as a wardrobe assistant one time. But you got you good know? practical experience yeah. in all aspects, in all aspects of, of set life. Yeah. And then I also worked in post-production. Uh, so at, to be a good producer, you kind of have to learn all the jobs, the physical jobs that make the movie happen. But then you also have to, to work on your creative side as well. You know, because you have to learn learn how to find a script that, you, that is good. Not only good from like, oh my God, this is such a great story, but also like commercially viable. Right. How, yeah. how you know? yeah. where does this fit in the market? Right. And then, and then you have to practice like giving notes and making it better and things like that. And you have to, you know, you have to, a lot of it is like people skills too. If you're a loner, you're never going to be a producer. If you hmm. don't like talking to people, you're not going to be a producer. It's, I mean, it's, I hate this. Because you have to build relationships. You have to build relationships. You have to talk to people. Yeah. If you don't talk to people, you're never going to be a producer unless you have all the money in the world and you can do whatever you want. Right. And that's never right? the case. And that's never the case unless they're Jeff Bezos. Which, <laughs> you know. So Jeff Bezos has some good notes on, uh, you listen to Kurt if you want to become a good producer here. Yeah, right. Go, go start Amazon and 20 years later you can, you can make, make whatever, whatever you want, want right? <laughs> but no, you, ha- it, you know, it's starting, be mindful of the fact that everybody else is working for you because you're a producer. They all, you know, you're signing the front of the check, not the back of the check. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And so that's a huge responsibility. And know what other people are doing and appreciate what they're doing, but then also be the good leader, be the good effective leader, and you know, shepherd the project through to the completion. Okay, my final question before we start sure. talking about what we love, which is movies. Yeah. The film school thing. Uh-huh. Do you find you're at a big advantage not going, or do you think it gave you practical skills that a lot of other people in the industry don't have? Le- what, would, what do you think? I assume it's a little bit of Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, it's a little bit of both. From a practical production standpoint, film school is a waste of time. Yeah. In my mind. Simply because, yes, you get the experience of making the movie. Right? Yes. But they don't really give you real world experience. Mm-hmm. Because if you go and try and get a permit, oh, you're a film school. Okay, here you can get a permit for cheap. Yeah. Like the permitting office, especially here in LA, streamlines it for films. The casting, most of the time the school has already set up a pool of actors that you can go through, yeah. or you just say, we're a film school. And so people are like, you know, you know what caliber actor yeah. you're going to get. A lot of times, most of the time, the film school has the equipment for you the cameras, Good point. the lighting equipment. The sandbags. And the there's a stands. whole group of people that are willing to make movies with you. Right. And you already ha- you're all of your classmates are required to work on your film. Yeah. For free. Yeah. So you're, and so like your main, you're like maybe your busy, bi- biggest expense is, is going to be your lenses. <laughs> yeah. Let me go over in some extra lenses, right? Because yeah. your cinematographer really wants these these types of lenses as opposed to those types of lenses that the school provides. And oh my God, if we spend $12,000 on this, then it's going to be so great. It's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> it will not. But whatever. You know what I'm saying? And not 12000 maybe 1200 but whatever. But so from a purely practical, real-world experience, film school is a waste of time. Gotcha. However, that being said, film school is also a great asset if you pay attention to what's going on. Because you can learn. If you want to be a writer, if you want to be a director, go to film school. Because... You need to know the theory, the history of making films, and it gives you, you know, it gives you a lot of time to hone your creative abilities. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, but then you also build relationships. A lot of, you know, and like, if you want to be a producer, I don't know, man. It's that's maybe I don't know. I'm getting that's the vibe. You're like, just start making movies. A lot of times, you just go make it. Just prove it. Yes. Be done with it. You know, just go make it. Yes, okay, I made a film. Uh, but, I, you know, film school, it can be... It's one of those things where it can also be helpful for, for aspiring producers, not if you want to make a movie right now. Okay. Right? Because, like, I have, a, I have a good buddy who I'm working with on a project. He went to film school. He went to very prestigious, very famous film school, not in Southern California. And he moved out to L.A., and got a job as a producer's assistant. I'm not going to say I can guarantee it's because he went to film school, but I can say that going to film school probably helped a lot gotcha. in him getting gotcha. that job. Sure. Right. Gotcha. So going to film school, if you want to be an aspire, if you're an aspiring producer, you know, going to film school can help you get in the door at agents agencies or production houses to be the you know the producer's assistant, the agent's assistant, which sure. then you can move into being a producer's assistant. It can help you with that, yeah, at, with the business aspect of it, get, getting your foot in the door. I you know found it hard getting into that aspect of the industry because I didn't go to film school, sure, and I just didn't know anybody, yeah, you know, yeah. And so by the time I found out, oh shit, I should have gone and worked in the mailroom. It was already ten <laughs> years too late, and I was like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to work in the mailroom yeah. and work my way up. You know, it's like, well, screw it, I'll just do this instead. Yeah, yeah. Get it. And so, but that's the other thing is there's a lot of like my buddy who I work with, and you know, I love him, hang out with him a lot, and we got a big project going. He, when it comes to budgeting, he only knows like high level budgeting. 
he can't drill down into because he hasn't done the because he hasn't done it. Like he straight up told boots. me when yeah. we started when we went when we started on this path, he's like, when it comes to budget, dude, he's like, I'm gonna rely on you. Like you're gonna have to like look at that budget and let me know if it's if it's doable or not. And I said okay. And then I, but then I said the same thing to him because he's had years and years and years of experience of giving notes and being the creative producer. Sure. And I said to him, well, I'm going to have to rely on you kind of heavily for the creative aspect of it, you know, and like you and I will bounce ideas off of it, uh, off of each other. But most of the creative stuff is going to come from you. And he's like, yeah, no, I get it. It's fine. I form that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Form relationships. Notes. So the big takeaways as a producer, be a people person, form relationships, manage your liabilities and know what your leverage is. Boom. There to you get go. It, to get it done. There you go. That was film school in, yeah. in four books. <laughs> right? All right. Now, you need to go? All right. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Let's talk about what we want to talk about. Let's talk about some movies. The greatest movie of all time. Go. Dustin, what is it? Uh, I mean, my favorite movie is just Star Wars. Oh, okay. All right. I well, mean, fine. Dustin and I talk about movies all the time. So I, I want to know what your you, Wait, what do you think is the greatest movie of all time? Yeah, no, that's my favorite. Greatest movie of all time? That, that really depends on what my mood is, man. Right. My mood is always Star Wars. Well, we know that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> right? Aren't you going to ask me? Yeah, what's the greatest movie of all time? Roadhouse. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not Roadhouse. I'm kidding. It's not. Well, it's similarly, not. what's a movie you could watch over and over? A we'll movie just, I could watch over and over? We'll do a rundown. I mean, terribly, I could, I, could, I could watch Roadhouse over and over again. It's, it's kind of one of those not movies. Not on a loop, but yes, I could. A movie I could watch over and over. Tommy Boy. Oh, there you go. That's a classic. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Classic. Great movie. Now, what's a movie that you would watch on a first date with someone? Gone with the Wind. Seriously? Wow. Okay. That's yeah, just long. Like, because it's romantic? or, or like yeah, It's a great movie. Okay, okay maybe not. All right. Maybe <laughs> I mean, I'm saying it's like, like, you know, the litmus test. To I mean, my like, mom hey, would say no, it's no, a great no, movie. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, no, no. If you can okay. watch Gone with the Wind, like, we're a Then we're good. Yeah. No, no. Uh, no, okay. Maybe, okay. maybe not Gone with the Wind. It's not a bad movie. I'm just like, first date movie. material? Right. Like. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. How about that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, Kurt first likes giving women the wrong, wrong right? impression. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, what what movie on a first date? I don't know, man. I, oh, that's I don't funny. know. You know what? I would probably say I would say probably like a comedy. Okay. Ooh, Get Smart Good with Steve Carell. Okay. That okay. would be a good first date movie because okay. it's funny, but there's some romance involved, you know. But it's like like goofy. It's you know. got the rock. Yeah, it lets you have fun. Yeah, the rocks. <laughs> Super bad. Okay, some eye candy. Yeah. Right. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Silence of the Lambs. Easy. Okay. Scariest person. Scary, scariest, scariest villain ever. I mean, that guy is he's you know Hannibal Lecter is one of the smartest, clearly one of the smartest guys ever, and he's so you you know you never know know what he's thinking, and he's just so crafty. Well, and the yeah. way the movie's done, you know, it, it really. So you, you have that dynamic between the two characters, but mm. he's he's actually as an audience member. I mean, he's in your head. Yes. Yeah. That's the yeah. that's yeah. the catch yeah. is yeah. where you're like, wow. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, as a third party. And you're viewer. like, what is what is he gonna do? Yeah. Right. And the and the end scene when he hangs it when he, you know like when he just drops the phone. Yeah. You know, like when he's on the island watching uh, or following Doctor Chilton. It's like, yeah. how the hell did he get there? Right and like, how did how did he track this man down? Yeah. Right, and then he just leaves the phone hanging. And you're just like, oh my god, you're like, yeah. You're right. As a, as a horror force, he is so he's, he's superior. It's to all it's, of us. it's yeah. It's it's to me that's scarier than than the Saw movies. That's or just like horror a ghost. Or yeah, yeah, the ghost uh, movies are the just Shining's like. Shining's pretty scary. Yeah, the Shining. Well, the Shining's scary, but that's like a psychological thriller, you know. But it's like you know, which is you know, Silence of the Lambs is kind of a psychological right. thriller. True. You know. Yeah, and Darth Vader's not that scary. He's, he's not that scary in a horror sense, right? 
<laughs> but I mean, I wouldn't like to encounter him. No, of course not. Myself. Right. What is your favorite movie? Gone with the Wind. Really? Yeah. All right. I okay. mean, I'm from Atlanta. I'm so, from the South. Okay, that I can actually makes the first date. Well, that makes a little more sense. I was just like, yeah. that's a heavy movie. But right. Okay, I get it. It is a heavy movie. It's classic. It's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I love that movie. It's Transformed Cinema. Uh, what's the most provoking, thought-provoking movie that you've ever seen? Ooh. Holy Lord in that heaven. That your mind. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this because you emailed me these questions earlier. The most thought-provoking yeah. movie? No, I don't know. I always, you know, for me, right. something that always stands out was, uh, have you ever seen Memento? Yeah. I don't know why. It, the, the structure of the movie, it just always gets me thinking. Obviously, there's a lot of story elements that get your mind going, but mm-hmm. as a film, how they were able to make that work. Yeah. No. Oh, you're talking about. Wait. Now, are you talking about like how do they like how do they do it? Thought provoking. No. I mean, what's like just, maybe just thought provoking. I think he's talking yeah. story. But that yeah. movie to me, uh, on both levels, yeah. it's got me in the moment in the story, thinking like, wow. Yeah. What's happening here? You but know, one, I'm like, how did they? That makes sense. So. I think oh, so. One movie would be Inception. I was yeah, actually thinking Inception. Nolan. That's so, like a, Inception is great. Nolan, right? But yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. A, he's a great filmmaker. But that would be one of those things where, like, hey, th- so for Inception, like the end of it, like, did the top fall over or not? Hey, right? Are we gonna solve it right now? I, don't, I, I think it fell. Personally, <laughs> I, think it fell. I think it fell. I think it fell. But other people say no, it didn't. Right? Other people say no, it didn't. Because it wobbles a bit, which it wobbles, it wobbles when point. it falls. But then other people are like, right. That's right. So when he too. spins it in the dream, it spins it, it, perfectly. It spins There's and no spins and spins and spins. Especially like when he when he opens up the little safe and he starts it's still, spinning, yeah. just still spinning. Yeah. But then it's also one of those things where it's like everybody's like, "Well, his children are like haven't grown up and they're, and they're wearing the same same clothes as in his dream." And it's like, "Well, they never really tell you how long he's been on the run." No. Maybe, maybe, he's maybe only, his kids are born. Maybe he's been, yeah. They but maybe maybe he's only been on the run for for a I couple. I mean, they don't months. have any parents, yeah. so maybe right? you gotta. Wear the same clothes, right? Anymore. I mean, I don't remember them giving any sort of like there's really no timeline, time like from the time he's had to run when his wife killed herself to the to the time he comes Spoiler home. Alert. Right? Oh yeah, right. Sorry, <laughs> um, I don't remember them. I don't remember them saying it's been three years or ten. Well, years Well, they talk about how Limbo is in a totally different timeline. Right. Right. So it's just like it's just time. one of those things where I think the top fall fell over. I think he, you know. And I, I agree with your assertion there because even though Christopher Nolan is playing, I think, with us in that mm-hmm. moment, like it wobbled, this or that, mm-hmm. I think the story, if it spoke to you, should even if the even if he showed it at the end and the top never wobbled, right. you should still have an idea of whether or not you think that it's this is reality. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the movie does a really good job, you know, in my opinion, I think it falls over. I do too, yeah. And let's not forget, I mean, that what, what's the basic premise of that story? It's a family story. It's a guy trying to get home to his kids. True. Right? If it doesn't fall, then he never gets home. And if it doesn't fall, he never gets dark. home. Right? And so, like, I, he's doing everything he can using the knowledge that he has at hand and his abilities to get home to his kids. Yeah. I think it falls over. Me too. I think he's yeah, I think that's... And, and the reasoning is, if you follow the story, yeah, I think the narrative leads you, like, that's the story. Right. I mean, so, the whole, you're right. The whole movie is him trying to get home to his kids. Right. So that, to right? me, makes sense. And I know Christopher Nolan is just kind of, he's playing with us. He's, he's getting that thought-provoking. But he's, that's, yeah, that's the whole it. point. Think of, about yeah, it. Right? I mean, that's the whole point. So, yeah. Next question. What movie do you wish you could see on the big screen that you never have? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know, man, because I saw Die Hard on the big screen. Oh, I you know, know what? What? Awesome? I did, yeah, a couple years ago. I went, oh, went over to the Arclight. It's the best, dude. Yeah, the Arclight was shown on, on um, 
on uh, the big screen. Um, Gone with the Wind. Never saw it on the big screen. Oh, really? It does. They do it a couple years. Yeah, it does. I thought you would have gone. I, know, I think they I just never, had it like a little while. I know. Back. I've never been in town here in LA or go. like even growing up. Now I remember my dad saying every year when he was growing up, like my you know my dad also grew up in Atlanta. Every year, and when he was in elementary school or middle school, they would take a field trip to the to the theater to watch Gone with the Wind. That's the really. Show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. And yeah. there's some movies. It just. It just feels like if you if you get like for instance I I always like uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Is I yeah. just felt I've it's seen like it in the theater a couple the times. Screen. It's yeah. just better on the big. Oh, screen. Oh, that that movie's yeah yeah I've seen that on the big screen. You know what another movie I would like to see on the big screen would be Apollo thirteen. I never mm. went to see that on the big screen. Yeah, I never but that's did such a, Yeah, I saw know, it on like, TV. I think yeah, the first time, yeah. but when I was little, yeah. Yeah, but those big those big expansive movies are movies you want to see on on the big screen. Yeah. Right. Hey, Star Wars. Yeah, I've never seen the original, like A New Hope. I have episode four, five, and six. Yeah, I haven't seen them on the big screen. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've seen them on the big screen. I'd like to go see those on the big screen because those are big space, epic, huge movies that you want to see on the big screen. Yeah, I saw Castaway on the big screen. Loved it. That's what? awesome. Oh, Castaway. Castaway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie on the big screen. You know. Yeah. Great movie on the small screen too. But yeah, I think I think if I had to choose one, Gone with the Wind. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What's a movie <laughs> that you'd recommend to show your grandparents? Gone with the Wind. Wait, they've already seen it. They probably uh, already seen that. Like, actually, almost you know, like, what's a movie you right? like from today that, like, you know? I've actually, uh, I've actually watched Gone with the Wind, or not Gone with the Wind, um, uh, Tommy Boy with my grandma. No, <laughs> yeah. she laughed. Yeah. And how did it play? It played. She well? loved it. She thought it was nice. funny. I mean, that's that's a good, fun, clean, goofy movie. Okay. Right? Oh my god, I always right. love when he's Tommy out Boy. in the. But is so, it, right. He's out in the little boat on the. Quit playing with your dinghy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious, right? Uh, no, but I'm, you know, right, a movie. A, mo- a more recent movie? Shoot, I don't know. Get Smart. I think I think my grandmother would love Get Smart. Yeah. Um, she would not like other halves at all. Um, although she's probably streamed it on Amazon. She probably like on her way out the door just hit it, put it on Amazon <laughs> and just like let it stream so we could get the yeah. view count, you know. Um, which thank you, Grandma. But um, all everybody, her, that's just another plug. Make sure right? you watch. Other halves on Amazon. My grandma watched it. You should watch it. It's on Prime, too, right? <laughs> What's a movie that inspires you as a producer? Ooh, that's interesting. So this one, yeah, this is all you. This is all you. That inspires me as a filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, can we go back to the to the previous question? What movie would I, you know, would I have my grandparents watch? Any of the Lethal Weapon movies, especially oh, number one. Oh, there right? you go. Okay. Uh, the first is so good. Or, yeah, or any of the Expendables movies. <laughs> also, the yeah. Expendables movies, Dude, right? Those movies those. deliver. Sorry. Okay, what movie inspires me? Shoot, I don't know, man. Like, what's the one where if you just. If you see it, or even like, what's one that you just love the behind the scenes story of it, where you're like, wow, I didn't know that, and it's fascinating. Like something that yes. came up recently that I was, I don't know, I was actually like really interested in watch the footage for was like on Kill Bill Volume Two, mm-hmm. Uma Thurman like crashed her car for some reason. I don't know exactly what it was. Uh, Tarantino wanted her in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. wanted her to drive this car, and she did. But when you watch that footage, you're like. She was driving super fast and crashed. I guess to this day she still has neck problems and is not yeah. as good of friends with Tarantino. Yeah, maybe <laughs> true. Yeah, I don't know what what movie inspires me to do what to like think or to like want to, to make be a movies. Filmmaker? Like, is there a movie that like is there a movie that you see and you're like that's exactly why I love movies? 
I want to make a movie like that that gives an audience oh, that yeah. feeling. Um, Gone with the Wind. <laughs> um, Unforgiven. Oh. Or <laughs> even or even um, the Sons of Katie Elder, John Wayne movie. The okay. American classic. Yep. I love that movie for for various reasons, but I think that's a great. It melds serious western with some comedic moments which i think are just fantastic i think that's yeah I think that's well it's interesting you bring that up and it's we were, a great story. we were talking about some of those movies before that's probably a movie i think that a lot of people casually haven't seen that probably not you would have to go it's from the mid 60s so, go yeah. get that and be like i'm gonna watch it yeah it's it's from the mid 60s so probably not it's one of those things where i was exposed to it at a young age because my grandfather loved John that's Wayne. why you got to yep. go that's why he loved he loved John Wayne and he loved uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Sons of Katie Elder, and and actually that was uh, Sons of Katie Elder's were one of my dad's favorite movies too. There you go. And yeah, it's it's I think it's a great film. Uh, Sons of Katie Elder. Like if I could if I could make a movie like that, I'd be like yeah okay because that's okay, one of those. There you go. That's okay. one of those. That's, that's, that's one of those that's movies. That's really one of those movies where you can take your grandparents to see it and you can also take your kids to see it. Cool. Right? Because it speaks to every, it speaks everyone. everyone. Everybody would, would love it. I like it. For different reasons. Is there a movie that you wish that you could have been like a PA on the set or a fly on the wall when they were making it? Oh because goodness. you would have liked to see the actual, uh, the process unfold. Pretty much anything Clint Eastwood does. Okay. Although I have some problems with some of his movies, but he's such a great filmmaker. He, so. it's it's amazing. Did either of you yeah. see his new movie? What the, was mule? the Mule? The Mule? Yeah. yeah. Was it good? I, did, I yeah, didn't I liked catch it. that one. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's, it's not Clint Eastwood's a, best film, but it's not not his best movie. film. And there's a few problems with it, obviously. But I mean, it's it's also just like he was one of those. <clears throat> he's one of those guys. I'm just going to tell you a story. Yeah. Like everybody remembers a controversy in American Sniper about the little, yeah. like the little baby. Like, oh, it's not a real baby. Big fucking deal. Yeah. Right. Get over it. You sure. know what I mean? Watch the story. Yeah. Listen to the story. Yeah. Focus on you the know? story. Yeah. And so yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I'm gonna, I'm you're not gonna name a specific movie. I would just say if I could work with Clint Eastwood, watch him. I would, just, I would. That would okay, be, I get that it. Would be great. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that may even actually be the more appropriate answer is like who, who, not what, not what yeah. specifically. Yeah. Who yeah. would you want to work with? He's a yeah. master of his yeah. craft. He is. And it's amazing because he's only like a mediocre actor, right? But he is a phenomenal yeah. director. Right. Mediocre, right. maybe that's a little well. Low. As in, but I mean, as an actor, he's very one note. True. And as a director, true. he's been incredibly versatile. Right. Okay. Which I just think is, is kind true. of, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I don't want this podcast to be... Um, we're not slamming Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I don't, no, I know you're not. This is the Clint Eastwood slam show. I am. No, 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 no. I like yeah. ripping me on Twitter. <laughs> no, no, no. Clint Eastwood, if Clint Eastwood has Twitter, then I will cancel this show. He might. You better look that up. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I kind of, I see where you're going there. Right. He's kind of, you know, like you gotta find his out. acting is. He stays in know. like the the uh, a very, you know. He stays in Clint his, Eastwood roles. He stays in his lanes when it I comes mean, to his acting. Like, well, and that's probably because he knows what like that's what his audience wants to see him do. You know what I mean? No, I mean because like even when you so, see like um, um whoa sorry I typed in Clint like, and I saw see, a lot of Clinton stuff Glenn Glenn Torino Grand Torino right Grand Torino he yeah. still plays Clint Eastwood as like He's an Clint, old yeah. crotchety yeah. Clint Eastwood yeah. like yeah. but it's the same character okay yeah, yeah. so all right he does not so this sure? show goes right. on okay. we, we have at least one more week there is a Clint Eastwood fan page I'm sure. and it just describes him as the man so two part question for you Kurt. the man the myth and the what's in the movie. That you hope they never remake. Roadhouse. And what's a movie you hope they do remake? <laughs> also Roadhouse. <laughs> well, that, that's easy. The paradox of Roadhouse. I know. One movie that I hope they never remake, Gone with the Wind. 
Although they made a sequel called Scarlet with uh, Timothy Dalton, which was pretty which awful, was stupid. Yeah, nice. they should never, they should never try and make, remake Gone with the Wind. They should, uh, they remade The Shining. No way. Yeah, they made it into a TV movie. Yeah, look at that. Did. All right, yeah. now I'm sad. Right, but I never saw it. But yeah, well, I mean, like Gone with the Wind. I mean, you know, I'm being biased. Pretty much, I mean, and you know, I know Jeff Bridges won, uh, or you know, he did redid um, True Grit. Okay. But, I, was, yeah, wasn't a I wasn't fan, a personally. fan of that version. I, I, liked, I liked the original. Wayne version. Yeah, that yeah, was okay. Yeah, but um, no, I, I, yeah, if they try if they tried to remake Gone with the Wind, I I don't know, I would quit the film industry. Also. Okay. <laughs> now <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. What movie yeah. do you think has the best acting you've ever seen? Ooh, that's like I wanted you to really watch Holy this from hell. an ex- like from as a that's producer. Deep. What's a movie that you watch and you're like, I, I just I like the chemistry between these actors, I like the performance. Yeah. Sounds of the Lambs. Okay. All right. That's. I mean, a, I mean, what he was on screen. Legendary performance, right? What he was on screen for about twenty minutes, and he still still, yeah. won, still yeah. won the Oscar for best actor. I mean, he brings a right? lot. I mean, that's 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 like it's one of those things when he is on screen, you're just like captivated. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's just the <laughs> but that's no, it. that's great. I think yeah, that yo um, gonna hate me for saying this, but the movie Deliverance. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. With, with Burt Reynolds. I yeah, have, I have not. Some great acting in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, wasn't yeah. that um, late seventies? Is Burt Reynolds and um, John Voight? Uh-huh. That's that movie has really good acting, and and people forget that you know that Burt Reynolds was. I mean, he was the when he made that movie, he was like the top star in Hollywood. Yeah, you know, but that movie has some really great acting in it. Yeah, I really like that movie. That's another movie I, I hope that they don't remake for various reasons. But it's you know that's that's a, that's a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. Last are, question. Mm-hmm. Oh, what movie really pisses you off? Movie called Fracture with uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, Anthony Hopkins. I have not seen that. So it's, Anthony Hopkins is in some of your favorite movies. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah it's great actor. Kind of strange yeah. though that now that you've said that, I kind of want to see it. You should watch it. Well, I mean, it's a great. The, I don't want to give away the ending, but the end, like, literally the last scene pisses me off. Okay. The last scene for me is just like ruined the whole movie. Gotcha. For me. You know what movie just I. It, it really upset me as I watched it was the happening. I did not like. Oh yeah, I never saw that. It's not good. Yeah. It really bothered me to the extent that they just kept making the movie. Yeah. I never saw it, but I don't... Like, I got more upset the more I watched it. Not a fan. That's one of the... Yeah, there's there's movies out there you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, it starts off with a cool premise. Then I'm like, "Eh, you know, I'm not really feeling it. Mm -hmm. But part of me, like, as they go, I'm like, I... Like, did you guys make this out of, like, an obligation to finish it? They may have. They may have. Sometimes they make because I'm like yeah. I, I don't know like I just can't imagine you guys did a test screening of this and you're like that's that's it this that's is it, it. Yeah. this is amazing yeah, yeah, yeah I'm like yeah, no yeah, you yeah. had to be yeah. like this probably shouldn't be released good point yeah there's so many movies out there like that and you're like you're thinking like what the hell they got money to make that yeah Sharknado got to be inspired Sharknado as a I have not as seen as a producer right? I haven't seen it either no it's not it's very disheartening no because you should think that you can definitely get money from somebody you just got to shake down the right guy well, listen the thing. I'm like, not gonna where lie they the money to make that I movie? totally right? love there's nothing better than like a late like Thursday night you just crack a beer and throw on Sharknado like which it one? totally delivers I've never done that which one like they're all just like awesomely bad sharknado 900 or i mean i don't even know what number <laughs> and i feel right like now. i will never do that on a tuesday but if i ever on a thursday <laughs> on a thursday what do i do good, right yeah, hey, sharknado. yeah sharknado. i'm sure you can find it i'm sure it's somewhere like on netflix <laughs> or amazon hey, listen. now hey if you can't find sharknado go watch other apps on amazon Prime. 
David. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Kurt, hey, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yes, thank you for inviting me. So much. Fun. Now, yeah. uh, do you give any shout outs? Anyone you got a got a plug here, or else they're gonna like, disown you or anything? No or one's go gonna. No one's no. Other go watch other halves. I think I plugged that one. Okay. Up. Last question: How can our audience connect with you on social media, or if they have questions, or want to uh, trash you for your give out your fracture. phone number? What's your yeah, What's the best way to contact you? Twitter. Hang on one second. Let me let me let me get my phone number out of my contact. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no. I'm, you know what? I'm actually not on social media. At all. I take it back. I'm on Twitter, but anonymously on Twitter. Do you have an email or a PO box? Yeah, you. How about, how about this audience? If you want Please to write them a letter. If you want to, if you want to contact me, contact these guys. Contact Christian and Dustin. There you go. And they can put us in in, in the contact. Um, yeah, you can. You yeah. Can no, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Kurt Chatham. Um, okay. Are you on IMDb? I have an IMDb page. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, but I hardly ever post anything. And I just don't like Facebook, so I'm not on Facebook. I can't believe it. I actually rather talk to people in person than talk to my computer. You can find Kurt on LinkedIn, uh-huh. and you can also find his movie on uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Other hands on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. dude. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. Yeah, out. No really problem. Appreciate really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Had fun. It was a good time, and just thanks for letting us pick your brain. Sounds good. As far as everybody else, we hope you like the episode. If you have any questions or feedback or, you know, want to trash either of us for our lack of movie knowledge here, then uh, you know where to do it. I'm at IndieCal5 and all your social media needs. I'm at Big, Big Kid D-Man. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show.